Welcome to Make It Happen, a podcast for bloggers and creatives. You're listening to episode number 12. Welcome to the show, guys. I'm Jen Carrington, and this podcast is for any freelancers, bloggers, and creative entrepreneurs who want to make big and beautiful things happen online. For today's episode, I invited the awesome Kayla Hollitz onto the show to talk about her journey so far, her experience of having a day job alongside her blog and her side hustle, and some of our thoughts about monetizing your online space, and also some ideas for how you, we can all make a good first impression online. One of the main reasons I invited Kayla onto the show is that she's currently in the middle of making things happen right now. And I just knew that her perspective would be encouraging and insightful for anyone else listening who's just getting started. So let's jump in. Hi, Kayla. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jen. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. No, I'm excited. I think we're all going to be in for a treat today because I'm really excited to talk with you about all the things we've got planned. So for anyone listening who either knows who you are or they don't know who you are, I guess, do you want to share who you are, what you do and kind of a bit of your journey so far? Sure. So hi, everyone. My name is Kayla Hollitz and I am an infopreneur for creative bloggers and entrepreneurs who are really looking to make a killer impression online. And I do this with really actionable content. So I write long form blog posts and I'm currently dipping my toes um, even more so into infopreneurship by kind of coming up with some ebooks and that sort of thing for creative bloggers and entrepreneurs, which I'm really excited to talk about uh, later on in the podcast. But a little bit about my journey so far was that about a year and a half ago, I was still in school going for my major in PR and my minor in creative writing. And so while I was there in order to really kind of stand out in the career field, I decided to start a blog. And I did that around the theme of public relations, um, which was my major. So after I did a little bit of that, I kind of started to see my blog evolve because I wasn't feeling as fulfilled from it. I felt like, you know, it was a great thing to have at that time. But after I had landed uh, the PR agency job that I'm at now, I felt like, you know, there was really another audience out there that really captured my heart and I felt like needed a lot more of my content and I really wanted to tailor everything that I was saying to them. And so that's how I kind of found my way into the creative blogging and entrepreneur niche. And so it's kind of been a wild ride. I had quite a bit of rebranding in the first year, but now I feel like in 2015, I've really come into my own and feel like this is exactly where I'm meant to be. And it's just, it's been awesome so far. That's so, that's so nice to hear. Like kind of, I can really relate to feeling kind of like where you're meant to be right now. That I love that. And I think um, we're going to talk about your website super soon, but people need to go and check it out because <laughs> you recently redid it and it looks awesome. But one of the first posts that I think I ever read on your blog, it might have even been the first way we came to have a conversation. I'm not sure. You wrote a post all about not monetizing your blog in the first year of running your blog and I was like I loved it because so much information out there right now is how to monetize a blog and no one's really saying oh do you have to monetize in the first year and I didn't monetize my blog in about in the first year of running a blog either so I I guess do you want to kind of share 
what you learned from that and the biggest takeaways that you're kind of sharing in that post. And then I guess we can just dig into it back and forth. Well, thanks, Jen, for for remembering that blog post. I know it's one that has been a little bit more popular on my site. And I think it's because, like you said, there's not a whole lot of conversation about not monetizing in your first year because it seems like anytime you're online and writing content, you should be making lots of money from it. And I don't think that that's always the case because I think that with not monetizing in your first year, it really allows you to rebrand if you need to. So like for me, I had a different niche that I was going into and I felt a little bit more free to do that because I wasn't making money off of any of that content before. So I knew that my readership, the people that were interested, would move over and then I would be able to see if that felt like a fit and then once that felt like a fit, which it does now luckily, now I'm able to kind of start thinking what kind of monetized content can I start creating for them because when you get too far into monetization and then you make a big switch like that, it's a little bit harder because then you have to change all of your messaging and it can be a little bit difficult. And with monetizing my blog, it also helped me get to know my audience a lot better, which is awesome. I was able to really spend more time trying to build up a loyal audience rather than thinking, how can I get so-and-so percentage of people to opt in for my product and buy it? I was really more so into building a community first. And I knew if I put more energy and time into the community, even though that that wasn't going to be bringing me any money now, it definitely could end up bringing people um, that really are like a tribe of people that are going to help you get to that next point. And they're going to be much more willing to invest in you if they feel like they know you and they feel like you've been investing in them all of this time when you weren't monetizing. It also allowed me to experiment with a lot of different content types. So I know I did a little bit with blogs. I did a little bit with these mini podcasts that I do for my newsletter subscribers. And now I'm even trying Periscope, which has been really fun. So it allows me to really experiment and see what different content types are right for my audience. Definitely. And I feel like we've not, you said it perfectly when you were saying like, if you just rush into monetizing, you could really find yourself down a road that you don't want to be on. And you could really find yourself with products that really haven't had the time to be as good as they can be. And maybe with services that, you know, maybe you can't actually deliver on. Maybe I feel like it's really blogging. I imagine when me and Kayla started blogging, it's probably, it was probably a really different environment than it is now because I feel like a lot of people are starting blogs with the pure intention to you know create this awesome online business whereas I imagine for me and Kayla in the beginning it was kind of just a creative outlet which I think was a route that a lot of us previously have taken I feel like there's now a new kind of generation of bloggers that are coming in with it knowing that they want to monetize straight away so probably that's a little different but I feel like I didn't so I have a really for anyone listening to this podcast who has been following me since the very beginning which will have been 2013 you will know that I actually started off as a personal lifestyle blogger and I spoke about you know my life and beauty and I was I was a shopaholic so I pretty much shared my journey into being a shopaholic and um and so I didn't monetize in the first year because my blog was just pure escapism. And then when, my, then it transitioned into what it is now over time. But I'm really glad that I didn't monetize in the first year because it helped me figure out what the hell online content is. Yes. It helps me figure out 
the how I want to share my voice. It helps me find the confidence to show up online and not be just afraid. It helped me. It helps me so much. And that was an invaluable experience in my journey that I wouldn't change. And I think now there isn't there doesn't have to be this huge rush to getting your first product out straight away. I completely agree with that. I think it's really important for us to give ourselves some wiggle room to kind of figure things out because chances are you're going to be evolving from what you first put out there. And it's just because we always evolve as people no matter what life stage that we're in. So I think kind of taking the money out of the equation really can help you focus in on exactly what value you're giving and how your audience is really going to benefit. And you know, if that audience is really the audience you want to cater to. Definitely. And also, it's so much easier to then market services and products to an audience than have a website with no audience and having to really, really, really hustle to even get anyone onto your blog. And I, and I know they are two different completely routes two completely different routes that have been both successful and unsuccessful for many people so it, it doesn't actually come down to which route you take it just comes down to choosing the right one for you but it's fun because me and Kayla have had a really similar experience in that we didn't monetize for the first year and I know for me that that was a great I'm a little different because because like with Kayla my blog has transitioned it's the same name but it's transitioned so much from what it was and back then I didn't even like I never wanted to be a full-time blogger if that makes sense and back then I didn't even know what the hell an entrepreneur an online entrepreneur or an infopreneur was I was studying for a social work degree so I was just doing this beautiful this this ugly blog that was just a beautiful escape for me and um and I love that and I know that people are starting now in a really different stage but I think I'm gonna link to Kayla's post in the show notes because I think it was such a great encouraging insight and it also left me really excited at the end of it when you hinted that, that you were moving into monetization and I was like excited for you and to see what was next for you in your journey and I guess the next thing that you've just relaunched your website and it's yes. fantastic thank you abs- thank you it is I mean I love Squarespace but I love it when people take a Squarespace and make it their own and you've really done that like it's like with so many people using Squarespace these days the hard part is making it not look just like another Squarespace site and your site feels so much like you and it's just it's great it's awesome and at the very top you say I help creative bloggers and entrepreneurs make a killer impression online with seriously seriously actionable content and I loved when you say make a killer impression online because you did that you did that with your website and I think that is what so many people are working hard to try and do because if we don't make a killer first impression, someone's going to go on to the next person. Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much for that. That really does that does mean a lot. It's it's always nice to to hear from other readers because I know you are one, which is absolutely awesome. And it's nice it's nice to hear that after you know a big website redesign because this is my first time that I've, I've been on Squarespace. So not only did I redesign, but I also switched platforms, which, you know, it was a little bit of a labor of love for a while, but it's really awesome to see it really all come together. And I know the biggest win from that was really hearing from my audience that it's much easier to navigate, which is enough to redesign it all over again. You know, I would definitely make the same decision. But it's been really great to have a new website space that feels so much more like me, but it also serves my audience because at the end of the day, it really matters how it functions for them. Definitely. And I and I like going back to that whole killer first impression, I feel like you really 
did that. And that's obviously your expertise, which one of the reasons I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today, because I feel like people making a killer first impression is it's so important. And I guess I'm curious, depends how much of the uh, the curtain you want to pull back here, but I'm curious for how you how you tapped into how you could make a killer first impression. And then I guess your best advice for people who want to make that killer first impression. Sure. So how I kind of make my quote unquote killer impression is really by, I mean, I guess it sounds very cliche, but really by just being myself. And so I have always been an extremely open person. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I've been able to really grow in my niche pretty quickly is because I'm not afraid, like you said, to pull back the curtain and kind of let people in on the types of things that I'm doing. And that means not only my successes, but also things that maybe didn't go as well. So I think it's really important to show people the different things that you're trying, what's working, what's not. And a lot of people just love that transparency. And they want to be around people that aren't trying to put on a facade, that they know everything, that they're doing everything. And I think it's important for thought leaders to really show that even though we are leaders in the field, we can still, you know, make some mistakes. But as long as we're correcting them and also at the same time sharing them with our audience so then they can learn through what we do, I think is one of the best ways to go about it. So that's really what I try to do with my content. And it's what I hear time and time again, that people just really, really honor that. I love that. I think you're, you're so right. I think um, it's so important to, um, I talk about being a fault leader a lot too. I think it's, I really believe in being a leader, not a follower. I yes. feel like when we are, anyone who's subscribed to Be A Game Changer, which is my free email series, shameless plug there go and get it on the blog it's probably one of the pieces of content that I'm most proud of creating this year but I talk a lot about how we should be leaders not followers because when we're followers we're ineffective we're insignificant we're insignificant we're ineffective and we're we're echo not a voice Mm -hmm. and yeah so it's sharing but it's okay to still make mistakes because no one's got it all figured out and if we come from a place of oh I know everything therefore listen to me preach there's a huge wall that we're putting up between ourselves and our audience that is going to limit the relationship that we can build with them and and as creative entrepreneurs so many of our clients and customers end up being friends and end up being acquaintances and end up being people who when I've been working with a client for maybe over a month So my eight week clients and I've had some people who turn into even like three month clients, um, we become friends and we end up catching up on the beginning of meetings and we have to remember, hey, we're on a meeting right now. (laughs) We need to start talking about what we did at the weekend. But this happens. And also it even just happens with like readers of your blog. They, They follow you day in, day out. They're getting in touch with your life. And that's beautiful. I think as a creative entrepreneur, it's fantastic because we're not just a service for hire. We're a human being creating for human beings and it's fantastic but if we start off from a place of being I know everything you know nothing just listen to me that we're already making the worst impression we could possibly make absolutely because people really want to connect with bloggers that are approachable especially when we are in this uh, creative niche that we are so I think that that's super duper important that we just always make sure that we're not coming off as intimidating as you know people that know it all because we definitely don't. We're just sharing everything that we do know with people. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's going to be enough and they're going to want to be a part of your community because of that. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And I guess, I guess, I, I guess if we share the flip side of it too. So, so say you, you've got the whole kind of authentic relationship community thing, you've got that down, but you want to make a killer first impression because you want to share your expertise and you want people to pay attention. That's just as hard, I think. And, and that can hold us back a lot, especially if you're a very humble, introverted, shy person, because I struggle, I struggled with um being comfortable saying hey this is what I'm good at hey this is what I can do this is what I'm good at because I feel I I I I don't know if it's because I'm British I don't know if it's because I'm an introvert but I believe that it's not okay to be like that well I believe that I've learned a lot now that you know what if you're good at something if you're being of service to people you have to say it in the most um least tacky and salesy yes. way possible yes because nobody wants to be that really sleazy car salesman, especially us. I know for me, I'm an INFP, so I'm right with you with being an introvert. And I know sometimes it can be really hard to put ourselves out there online. And that's why I really kind of look at everything that I do as almost like a case study to, to show people that these are the different ways that you can put yourself out there and you can feel good about it. You don't have to feel like, you know, it's, a lot of shameless self-promotion and feeling like you have to sprinkle your links everywhere to get traffic. You know, an online community is based on so much more than that. And so I think being able to just put a lot of effort into that at first is just the best way to go about it. Definitely. And I feel like a, a lot of the times the most useful things are the most basic things. I feel like a killer first impression, you've got it down. You've got this big photo of you on your website, which is so important. People need to see you. They need to see that you're a real human being. <laughs> Absolutely. I, f I see people with no... I go If I go to someone's site and I can't see a picture of them either on their homepage or on their about page, I'm not going to be able to connect with their brand. And I also, especially if you're selling services and products, we need to see who we're buying from so we know that we're not just buying from some made-up company and it's it's also kind of um that I think that is a huge part of making a killer impression I also think using your own words and um not just sounding like the thought leaders in your industry I don't know about you Kayla but that is um that's a huge turn off for me when I go to a site that is like with your site I feel like you're doing your own unique thing and that's why I love your blog. That's why I respect you. That's why I love following what you're up to. And I get so excited for the awesome things you're doing because I know that you've got this voice of your own. And I think if you want to make a killer impression for people listening, I feel like using your own voice and developing your own brand and your own expertise and committing to standing out, even if you want to be a thought leader and you want to be up there with the best of the best, you still got to say it in your own way and you still got to do it in your own way. Oh, absolutely. And I think that people that do this really well are Regina by byregina.com. Yeah. And, and you, Jen, of course, you do an awesome job at that. And I love oh, that, you. you know, if you would look at the three of us, you know, all of our voices and the way that we convey even the same topic would be completely different because of all of the different ways that we each would go about it. And so I think I think that you touched on something awesome there, which was have your own voice. And with the picture, it just is all about showing up and being proud of it. If you have something that you're creating, you want your, your name and your picture behind it. Not for the fame, but to just show people, like, I am really, really proud to stand behind this thing that I created. And because of that, you can feel good about either purchasing that or reading that or whatever the opt-in is. You can feel good about being a part of that because 
you know, I'm, I'm proud to, to share this with you as well. Definitely. Oh, it's, it's, it's so important. Like the killer first impression is way more than a well-designed website. Oh it's, gosh. Yes, absolutely. It, it's about having a site that tells your brand story that's, that tells people who you are. And it's not just another generic site in the crowd. It's, it's, you've got people's attention. If we think about now in 2015, how oversaturated most niches are, we've got to do something pretty incredible to catch people's attention in the first place. Absolutely. And like you said, there's so many facets of it. It can be the design, it can be the voice, it can be all of the different categories of your blog. It can be so, so much. But one of the things that I like to think about when I think about making a killer impression is really when I meet people, I want them to think, wow, that is exactly how I thought that person would be. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yes, and so once people are able to say that about you and say like, this is exactly how I I thought you would interact with me, this is everything that was really conveyed with your site, I know that all of us are doing the right thing when that kind of reaction comes. Definitely, one of my one of my closest closest friends is a girl called Grace. She's a beauty blogger. Um, if anyone's a beauty blogger fan, I'm going to link to her in the show notes because she's fantastic. And we a few weeks after we first met, I said to, we were talking about our blogs, and she said to me, she was like, "You sound in person exactly how you sound when I read your blog," yes. and that has stayed with me ever since because that made me realize that I that I was using the right voice on my blog and now when I meet clients because my main job is I work one with my clients and um, I know that the person who they thought they were hiring has translated into the person they're working with and that is a huge part of why I show up online and the way I show up online and why even if you think that you're not good enough or even if you're looking at someone and you're like, oh, I should really be like them, the best thing you can do is be the best version of you because anything else is gonna is not gonna serve you in the long run. Is my is my it was well that's what I've learned anyway. Absolutely. And it's much more natural, of course, to be who you are. And it's a lot easier than trying to be a copycat of somebody else. Even if what they're doing is really successful, it doesn't mean that what you could be doing with your expertise couldn't be successful as well. You know, there's a room for all of us at the table, so to speak. So yeah, just show up, put yourself out there. And I know that you are just going to reach an incredible amount of success just by being true to who you are and who your audience is. Yeah, and your story as well, because um, the, I'm recording a lot of podcast episodes in bulk, but the one you will have listened to before this one would have been with Maya, and we spoke about how staying true to your story is a huge part of making that impression and in the long run building those relationships. And so I think a big part of, I guess we're going off on a bit of a tangent here, but a big part of kind of building that impression that you make with your website is sharing your story really authentically too, because that's how you, that's how you say something different to everybody else because nobody has your story. Absolutely. I know for a lot of people, what attracts them to me is really my PR background. And it's something that not all bloggers have. And so I think it's, like you said, looking at all of the unique factors of your blog and the things that you've kind of gone through in the past and bringing those forward to showing why you are where you are right now and how you got there. Because I know if I completely forgot about all of the rebranding that I did in the past and all of the different changes that I went through, nobody would really understand exactly 
why I feel so great about where I'm at right now and why I'm doing the things I am right now because they wouldn't get all of that background knowledge. And it's really important to show up as exactly who you are and share your story because, you know, I am not somebody who is a full-time entrepreneur and jet setting and doing all of these crazy things, but that's still okay because I'm doing all of these other awesome things and I've gotten to a great place from where I was before. Exactly. And this is something that me and Kayla spoke about off off air. So and and I and I'd love to dig into it, but I know we've got we've got a we've got a, a plan to get through today. But yeah, no. I also love that that how open you are about the fact that you do have a full time day job in the in in the field that kind of leads into your blog and I feel like that that's great and I just I yeah everyone follow along with Kayla's blog because I know that she is a great voice for anybody else who has an awesome day job and an awesome side hustle that that their heart belongs to both of them so yeah definitely check out her blog and if you can connect with that too but check out her blog anyway because it's fantastic but the next thing I want to talk about is actually this might have been how I came across you in the first place and it's Create Lounge, which is your weekly Twitter chat and it's amazing. It's it's taking Twitter by storm every, is it Thursdays? It's on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central. Yeah, I'm fast asleep then. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> but I guess I want, I kind of selfishly I kind of want to know the story of the Twitter chat I want to know when you started it how I'm, I'm being really bossy I want to know but no I'd, lo- I'd, lo- I'd love to know when you started it how you felt when you started it and how it's kind of grown to what it is now and kind of what you've learned about hosting a Twitter chat oh absolutely create lounge is one of my absolute favorite things to talk about because it really kind of started as just a way for me to connect with more people because Twitter has always really been my home base as far as social extensions of my brand because I've always just loved the community that was already on Twitter. And for a few years, I would say about two years, I had been participating in Twitter chats pretty regularly and I just felt like there weren't enough Twitter chats that were for really strong creative people that wanted to be transparent and wanted to not only encourage each other, but also show that they were thought leaders in the field and to talk about topics that not all people talk about, where it's not all about different hacks, which is still great, but it's also more about building that sense of community with people and and showing up to a place where it's kind of like cheers, where everybody knows your name, right? And being a part of something that's a lot bigger than just what we're all doing specifically online. So that's really why I started Create Lounge. And I started it at the top of 2015, so in January. And in the first three months, we had over 300 participants, which was absolutely incredible. And we're still getting lots of new people, which is awesome, people that are hearing about us. And I just have just been so blessed with how many people have gotten behind almost this this movement of creatives that are so ready to share everything that they know and encourage each other and those people that show up every single week. And it's just something that has been incredible. I I, I, I hate that I don't get to join in, but I, I need my beauty sleep. Yeah. But, um, but it's incredible to see how it's like you having these great conversations 
and it really seems like a really great place where people are connecting each week and building community and I kind of I love that you just fearlessly did it did it feel like a scary thing or did because I've done a few Twitter chats but I could I've never committed to like a weekly one because that just seems like like a big commitment but when you when you leaped into it were you kind of afraid to take this big to showing up in a bigger way because a host of a twitter chat for everyone who joins in they know that you're yeah. the host of it but or, or how did you deal with those nerves of kind of launch leaping into that yeah so you know i don't think that i was as nervous because i had been participating in so many for a while so i kind of knew what i wanted my community to be like because maybe something felt a little bit off in another one. And I was like, okay, I'm making a mental note of that and making sure that I cater to my community in this kind of a way instead. And so I had a lot of background to how exactly I wanted to kind of form up how I was going to do the questions, how I was going to interact with people and how I really wanted it to be. So I think that that gave me a little bit more confidence in that area. And I just have always been the most confident on Twitter because I just have been on there for a while and I just absolutely love the community that's there. And most of my traffic comes from Twitter. So I knew that if I was going to do any sort of extension of my brand, it would be smart to do it on Twitter because that's just where most of my audience already is, which I think is really important. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really great point, actually. I'm most comfortable on Twitter, too. Um, I love the vibe on Twitter. I'm not a very visual person. Instagram is something that I just have neglected my Instagram for so long that I, I do have some, um, I am planning on bringing it back to life soon, but who knows if I'll stick at it. But something else that you've, I guess something really topical right now, which we spoke about when we first jumped on, because this morning over breakfast, what I watched was Kayla on Periscope and Periscope is blowing up right now. It is. It is. I thought it was big. And then the yesterday, I really spent a couple of hours like hanging out on Periscope and seeing what was going on. And I realized, oh, this is this is huge in the online community. And you just, I guess, I mean, this is we, we can't be going giving. Well, I haven't even gone on Periscope yet. Hopefully, hopefully by the time this has gone live. I've, I've gotten the confidence to do it. If I haven't, please somebody tell me, Jen, get over yourself, get the hell on Periscope. <laughs> but um, I guess with Periscope, do, do you feel, I've, because it's an extension of Twitter and it's connected to your Twitter account, do you, how, I guess for anyone listening who's like, oh, I want to get on Periscope, but what the hell is Periscope? How, what's your kind of thoughts on Periscope at the moment? Yeah, so I, I started trying Periscope about a week ago. So I'm still pretty new to it as well, but I've been doing some semi-regularly periscopes, just about one every two days now. And I just am really loving the platform. And I know that it can be a little bit scary sometimes, especially before you press the start broadcast button and you think, oh my gosh, everything I say from now on is going to be live and it's unedited. But I think one of the great reasons why you should get into Periscope is because of that, because you aren't able to be, you know, super polished. And it really comes off as very, very genuine, because it can be very casual, you don't have to have a very specific structure, you can really ebb and flow with your audience and take in all of the comments that people have and really interact with people in a way that hasn't really been possible before. And with that integration into Twitter, it just is awesome for bringing your Twitter audience onto Periscope. And it's a great way for people to feel like they know a little bit more about you because they can honestly interact with you face to face, which is great. I am I am really excited about it as a platform. Yeah. I'm really 
I'm loving watching people. It's like I'm hanging out with people yes. while eating my breakfast. And I love <laughs> I'm loving how it's breaking down the boundaries that maybe a text based social media platform creates. Yes. Because it's, you know, it's visual and it's, it's very instant. So I'm excited about Periscope. I'm excited even to see when this episode goes live, if my Periscope is done, because it, it seems to be in that stage as this platform where it's like, just like growing and growing and evolving and evolving. So yeah, I guess when this goes live, check us both out on Periscope. We'll check Kayla out on Periscope, but <laughs> no, hopefully we'll check me out. Check you out because I will be your accountability partner on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I'm not on Periscope, um, I mean, my hope is that if I get on Periscope, you can all meet one of my cats, Marcy, who, yes. is, the, who is my partner in crime. <laughs> who, me and Kayla are on a voice call today because it's a Sunday and I'm spending the day working from bed in sweatpants. Please don't judge me. <laughs> but usually most podcast guests will know Marcy because she likes to come up to the screen and say hello so <laughs> maybe you'll all be looking for that with the periscope but yeah oh this is this has been awesome the last like the last topic that I wanted to dig into really quickly is you are currently in the process of working on your first ebook yes. which is awesome I'm super excited for you it sounds great and I think that creating your first digital product is possibly it can be really overwhelming mm-hmm. it sounds great Pass, passive income oh this beautiful ebook it sounds great but actually sitting there with this piece of paper or this word document and you have to play plan out the content then b create the content and then c design the content <laughs> And then D, promote the content. (laughs) And then E, set up all the technical systems in place. It's pretty overwhelming. And I know you're I know you're in the earlier stages of your ebook, but I guess for anyone listening who's kind of so overwhelmed by what creating an ebook or an e-course or an e-product is, how what have you learned so far and what would be your advice be to anyone who's like, I really want to create something, but how do I do this? How do I have the time to do this? Sure. Yeah. I know for me, timing has been a big aspect with having a 50 plus hour agency job that I'm doing full time. So time is definitely of the essence for me. And so something that's great about an ebook is you can really write it at any time. So that's why it really lends itself well to my lifestyle right now. But the ebook that I'm writing is on hosting your first Twitter chat. And I think it's great to start with a topic that you know very, very well. But not only that, your audience knows you very well for. So pick something that is very specific to who you are and what your brand is. And just keep running with it because that is going to be something that is great to kind of make your debut with for ebook products. But as far as kind of the scarier parts is really... I think most people think, how do I start this thing? Because like you said, there's a blank page and how are you really going to start putting down something that ends up flowing into a whole entire digital product? And I would say I really liked playing with a few different brainstorming techniques. So one day I decided that I was going to do the traditional way of brainstorming with just having a Word doc and then writing out a few different things, kind of moving different categories and subsections and that sort of a thing. And that worked out pretty well. But then I decided, what other ways can I really try to bring this outline together that's going to make me even more so creative? And so what I actually did was I took my post-it notes because I am constantly using sticky notes. And I decided to write all of my different categories, subsections, everything on those post-it notes and just put a myriad of post-it notes 
all over my wall. And so I would have different sections that would be, okay, this is all of the prep stuff you have to do before hosting your own Twitter chat. And then these are all the things you have to do during it and after it. And once I was able to really visualize everything, it made it a lot easier for me to go back into my outline and make those tweaks and changes to feel really confident before I started writing. But I think what's also important is to leave yourself some wiggle room when you are writing your ebook because it's probably going to change a little bit from your outline. And that's a good thing. So I would definitely say just keep going for it, start it. And yeah, you're going to rock it. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I loved, I loved hearing that. One day, one day I want to share, I, I don't think it's that interesting, but I, one day I want to share my journey of behind the scenes starting and not following through on a lot of digital product ideas. Mm-hmm. Because, because, because of two reasons, because A, they just didn't feel good in the end. And I only believe in creating something that feels right because absolutely but number two I really struggled with kind of yeah finding my way through all of that and I've thankfully I um I created my first digital product a few a while back and I've worked with a lot of my clients to help them create digital products so I'm really understanding now that it's actually really unique to each person yes and the best thing you can do is I think niching in is this is the secret it it totally is because if you if you pick a topic that's going to be too broad it's going to be very hard for you to pick out all of the little things that you need to write about within that topic and then you'll always kind of be feeling like possibly you're missing something or there's more that you could be writing about so if like you said if you really get down to the nuts and bolts of what a specific topic is, I think that that's when you really excel in the writing process. Yeah, and like you said, give yourself wiggle room. Yes. And um, until you announce that pre-launch date, you got enough time to do it as much as you want to do it. And I think um, digital products are fantastic, even even as a process. Even you know what you can. Anyone who listened to the episode with Corey Woodard, who I think is incredible, she's yes, awesome. She she's, is. <laughs> she's killing it online right now. But she launched an e-course. I think it was earlier this year, and she shared how it didn't. It just didn't sell how she planned it to. But that was still a really worthwhile experience for her. So even I, I hope everyone listening, when you create digital products, they they sell and they resonate in the way that you hope them to. But even if it doesn't, it's still a fantastic process to help you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, to help you figure out your ideas. Because when you commit to writing a book or an e-course or anything, you're really spending some time with those ideas and hashing them out. So spending the time to create bigger pieces of content is an awesome process for many of us I think. So for people that are a little bit nervous about if your audience is actually going to go out and buy your product after you've spent a lot of time behind the scenes making it, I think one of the best ways to kind of help with some of those doubts is to actually pull your audience before you start writing anything and ask them what you should write about and give them a few options. So for me when I was first starting to think about how I would maybe in the future write about an e-course, an e-book, something, at that point, I was like, do people, or, sorry, um, are people interested in something that is a DIY content strategy, or are people interested in a step-by-step rebranding guide? Because I'm really known for both of those topics, and they fit really well with my brand. So I was thinking that people were going to be really interested in the rebranding guide, and it ended up being about 
75 people that got back to me about this and about 72 people were in favor of the content strategy instead. So it isn't it hilarious? So it really is awesome if you just use your audience as a way to kind of ask what they're interested in because of course after something like that you're going to write the content strategy instead because you are writing for them. And so if that has more purchasing power, go for that. So always use the audience that you've already built up as your biggest asset because you should never be afraid to ask because you never know what you're going to find out clearly. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, that sounds great. That no, And it's, and it's, it's keeping that two-way conversation. It's making it so there's not barriers between creator and consumer i i i think that's that sounds awesome this has been this has been great caleb this has been awesome to kind of touch base with you and i hope i really i i said to Kayla before we started um recording is that it's i'm really excited to have her on the show because she's in that awesome stage where you know you've got this awesome online brand you've got this really established awesome online presence but you you still got your awesome day job and you a transition like you're doing the whole infopreneur thing and you're in that kind of first year of it which is i'm in like first year too and so i'm i really hope that this has been a really encouraging episode for someone just to get an insight into someone who is doing something awesome online right now but still kind of you know in a place where you can she's learning as you go along aren't you like we both are absolutely well thank you again for having me it's been super fun to get to know you a little bit better and hopefully share some advice for other people that are listening i still have two questions that i ask everyone who comes on the show so the first one is what would be your biggest advice right now for anyone who is working really crazy hard to make big things happen? And I guess if you want to get extra specific, what would be your biggest advice for the side hustlers right now who are working crazy hard to make big things happen? Absolutely. So I would really urge side hustlers specifically to, yes, it's super, super great to look up to other full-time entrepreneurs that are doing really awesome things, but it does get to a point where sometimes you can feel a little bit discouraged because maybe you aren't able to churn out as much content as they are. But remember, you have 40 or possibly more hours that you are having to devote to something else instead. So just keep everything in perspective. Try really, really hard not to compare yourself to other people, especially those that are full-time or in different places in their life. And just remember to really focus on what exactly you can get done with the amount of time that you have and be super, super proud of all of those things because even though we are working full-time jobs, there's still so much that we can do as we're working on our side projects. So I would say just keep going, keep living the dream, my friends, and you guys are going to be awesome. I love that. I love that. And the, the last question is, what are you working hard to make happen right now? And how can we get involved and support you along the way? Oh, absolutely. This is an awesome question. Thank you already for being so encouraging and supportive. Um, I would say, you know, what I'm really working hard on right now is that ebook transitioning really into monetizing since we talked about how I hadn't in my first year. So that's something that definitely is going to be kind of that anxious slash exciting stage in my life that's going to be coming up here. So definitely encouragement in that area. And I'm just really taking this season to be really into experimenting with a lot of different platforms like Periscope and, and trying to do a lot more visually with Instagram and Pinterest. And I've just been doing a lot of experimentation and it's just been really fun to see how everybody reacts to that. 
And I think it's just going to be awesome. And just the plans that I have for the rest of this coming year are just going to be so fun. And I, I can't wait. (laughs) I'm smiling listening to you say that because I am the energy that you've got for your work. I can really connect with that. And no, I'm, I'm so excited for you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching from, I'm always watching what you're up to. I'm, I love chatting with you. And this has been, thank you so much for coming on this show because this is, this was just awesome. And I really hope everyone enjoyed the episode. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on today, Kayla. It's been so much fun, Jen. Thank you so much again. (laughs) Thank you. And there we have it, episode number 12 of the Make It Happen podcast. As always, you can catch all of the show notes over at jennyproduct.co.uk slash podcast and you can subscribe via iTunes and leave the show a rating and review if you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening today and look out for a brand new episode each and every Thursday.